On the record on News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. And you're welcome back to On the Record here on News Talk with me, Shane Beatty, in for Gavin Riley. And it's time for a lot of people's favourite part of the show, which is our hidden history slot. And it's over 90 years ago that the Irish Hospital Sweepstake was established here in Ireland. The Sweep, as it was known, was a government sponsored lottery that aimed to raise money to prevent the hospital system from collapsing. But behind the hopes of fortune, the exotic animal parades, and the glamour lay a seedy underbelly of greed. I'm excited to hear about this now. Damien Corliss, journalist and author of The Greatest Bleeding Hearts Racket in the World joins me now to discuss. Hello there, Damien. How are you? How are you? And this is, for some people, they won't have a notion of what the sweepstakes were. For other people, they've a a very good memory of just how incredibly controversial it it was. It was part of what we are, or were, certainly, yeah. So first things first, people might hear the sweepstakes and not have a notion what it is. What was the sweep? A sweep was, and it wasn't unique to Ireland, but... Ireland made it unique to Ireland. Our, the, the team of three people made it unique to Ireland and it became the biggest thing ever. But essentially a sweep was a two-tier lottery where people bought tickets and then the tickets were dr- put into a, a big, you know, jumbly thing and uh, a, a number of tickets were drawn out. Mm. Most were just discarded to put in the bin. But the ones that were drawn were then allocated to horses in a major British race, uh, the Derby, the Grand National, the Manchester Handicap, etc., etc. So there were three or four per year. And so that was it, basically. You, you know, you, you the, the lucky people drawn had a bet on a horse. And, you know, the if you were on the favourite, <laughs> you had a very good chance of, you know, yeah. uh, getting a massive amount of money. I mean, uh, for the first sweep in 1930, um, the prize, uh, total prize fund was two million. That was on <laughs> two million pounds. Back then. Back, back yeah. in 1930, that was an unheard of. It was the biggest thing in the world. And the world, you know, stood up and paid attention, essentially. But there is a centenary because in 1922, mm. uh, there had been uh, the originator of the idea. He was a bookie called Richard Duggan, and he had a reputation already for sharp practice in 1922. And he set up... Uh, an illegal uh, sweep in aid of the Matter Hospital. But he, he figured that, and he figured rightly, that if he attached a good cause, being the, the rotten state of the, the hospital system, to his illegal sweep and did it as a one-off pop-up mm. sort of thing, uh, that he'd get away with it. And he was right. And so he gave he offered to clear the Matter Hospital's debt he had a big uh, prize fund of ten thousand uh, uh, pounds, which was big at the time, and it was uh, an Irish only thing. And it, he was the big winner from that thing, uh, and uh, he made so much money that he was able to move his operation from Dame Street in Dublin to Switzerland. <laughs> so I'm just wondering about the element of show business involved in this as well, because I mentioned there about these exotic animal parades. Um, so you go off and sell your tickets, but they paraded the tickets down O'Connell Street, did they? Oh, yeah. Well, the, Duggan was the first. 
he brought on board uh, Joe McGrath, who had an incredible history even before that. Uh, McGrath had been uh, James Connolly's uh, bodyguard in the 1913 uh, lockout, fought in 1916. He was then Michael Collins's uh, able lieutenant. Then he became first minister of industry and commerce in the state. And then he resigned. And he had a massive uh, past behind him, even before setting up the sweepstakes. So Joe McGraw was the, the second uh, of the three. And the third was Spencer Freeman. And he was Welsh and he was a, a British war hero. Uh, but he had a genius for uh, publicity. Mm. So he organised the sweeps on the scale that he would fly in the entire press corps of Britain and France and he'd fly, fly them all in, uh, he'd wind them and dine them, give them a good time in the run-up to the actual sweeps draw and uh, that ensured maximum publicity. He'd fly in especially the newsreels, uh, which were huge at the time. It was essentially, it, it was the news of, of the time and you saw it in the cinema and the newsreel would run for 20 minutes before the main features, you know, mm. and... Uh, so he'd get in the newsreels, but I mean, the centerpiece was these parades and he had parades. They were themed. A recurring theme was marriage and weddings, because this was selling the dream that, you know, if you buy a ticket and if you win a fortune, you'd be able to get married. Yeah. In, in many ways, from what it sounds like, from the way he did this, it was like a sort of precursor for Las Vegas here, which is that you're selling a dream, you're selling a lifestyle. And for ordinary people, it must have been very, very attractive to them. Oh, and it went around the world. I mean, even for the, the first sweep, you had people who didn't even know where Ireland was on a map. Uh, a, a Saudi uh, prince bought 25,000 tickets uh, for the first sweep. An African uh, chief, uh, he didn't even know uh, where Ireland was, so he sent his uh, uh, postal order to Calcutta and they forwarded it on to Dublin. But he didn't even know what the prize was. He wanted three wishes granted, <laughs> and which were, um, I think, um, he wanted the respect and love of his people uh, to become wealthy and to recoup uh, the, his debts already, and to protect him from all evil charms. <laughs> Don't we all? Okay. <laughs> Don't we all, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering about back in uh, in that time in Ireland, the influence of religion was absolutely huge, of course. How did religion view the sweepstakes? Because, of course, it was left to religion to run the hospitals. So exactly. They, they must have liked they it. They were complacent. Uh, even I mean, though it was gambling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I don't think the Irish... Uh, you know, clergy ever had too much problem with gambling. So yeah, I think many of them were avid gamblers. Yeah. To tell but they you must have been excited about this idea of being able to fund the hospitals. Oh, yeah. Because, because the government weren't able to. No, they weren't. And the, the entire hospital system was crumbling. And uh, now the thing is that we, we still live with the legacy of what happened. Over the years, the, the amount going to the hospitals diminished, diminished, diminished. But... Initially, so much money came in during yeah. the 30s that you had small local regional hospitals uh, and, you know, they, they money flowed into them so that in some cases they went into a keeping up with the Joneses sort of competition with each other. So you had hospitals in the middle of nowhere with, you know, 
equipment that would be the envy of the Mayo Clinic in New York. <laughs> you know, you had hospitals with state of the world class uh, operating theatres, but no surgeons. Yeah. So was this a, this was obviously a novel idea at the time? This notion that. You, you get your ticket, you're helping charity, but you could also win money too. Yeah. Where does the greed come into all of this then? What's the the scandal with the sweepstakes? Oh, the, the scandal was that um, McGrath, as a former minister, he'd resigned. Uh, he, he came back and he put this... It was a, a, an incredible sweetheart deal that he managed to get out of his his former colleagues in government in the Tinegy uh, government, uh, or sorry, Cumann Gale government mm. um, of the time, which gave state blessing to uh, a law. They passed a law which allowed the sweeps to keep two sets of books. Right. One for the public consumption and one that covered up, that contained details of all the bribery that was necessary all the... Uh, when, you, when you say books, you mean accounting books, do you? Accounting books, yes. Yeah. So you can hide one and have one that's very public. Yeah, you, you presented one to the public every year. Uh, to, All above uh, board. Say to the hospital's trust sure. or to the sweep's trust. Yeah, who, who would have lots of, you know, respectable luminaries on, on the sweep's trust board. But uh, then there was the real set of books, uh, which included all the bribes that, that went out. Um, all the uh, all the uh, expenses they they had unlimited expenses. So yeah. you know, and this all came out of the money that was supposed to be going to the hospitals. Yeah. So was it all a racket? It was a complete racket. Complete racket. And to bring down a racket, you need usually either a whistleblower or you need very good investigative journalism. So how was it brought down? Well, first I'd say they actually had a man in Hollywood, just it's worth mentioning, that they actually, they were bankrolling Hollywood movies uh, to propagate, uh, propagandise uh, the sweeps. There was uh, one, uh, the, the winning ticket with Ginger Rogers. They, uh, there was, uh, uh, Dubarry was a lady with Lucille Ball, Gene Kelly and Cole Porter. And uh, they had their own man, called Drew Pearson, uh, sitting on set, vetting the scripts, making sure that the movie, that the the director didn't change from the script, or the, which was uh, that buy your Irish sweeps ticket, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to, to get to the end of it, 50 years ago, so we're on the 50th anniversary of the beginning of the end, which was when um, John McAnthony... Yes. You, uh, of the uh, Sunday Independent uh, began and completed uh, a, a really in-depth investigation into the running of the sweepstakes. And, uh, Were they tipped off, do you think? Uh, he just, he, he had a feeling because people in the States and in Canada, journalists over there, you see, it was something that you didn't talk about in right. Ireland, you know? But in, in the States which had begun legalising a certain uh, degree of uh, uh, betting, mm. uh, people started going after the Irish sweepstakes, which was illegal, but was massive over there. So McAnthony just, he, he tapped into all this and he put together a really devastating condemnation of the organisation, uh, which was corrupt to its core. And... Uh, 
he presented it to, at the end of uh, 1972, 50 years ago, he presented it to the Sunday Indos uh, editor. As, and it was really long, and he, the intention was to run it as uh, a two-parter. Uh, the editor read it, and he said to Mike Anthony, we're going to have to run this as one part, uh, because if we run it the first part, the second part will never be allowed to run. Yeah. It will be nobbled. They knew and it would be explosive. They knew it would, and it was explosive. Yes. So the two jur- journalists involved we're talking about here are Conor O'Brien and Joe McAnthony. Yeah. Um, were they celebrated for this scoop? They were not. Well, may- maybe by a-, a few, but by the establishment, they were not. By the powers that be, they were not. By the the hidden powers that be, they were certainly not. And McAnthony found himself, and he's, I think it's fair to say, he remains a bitter man. Mm. He found himself unemployable. He was a brilliant. No one journalist. wanted to touch him because of no this. one wanted right. to touch him. Yeah, I'm just wondering because obviously this was exposed. Uh, the 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 article was published. W- was it a direct result of that article that was the demise of the sweepstakes? Yeah. Well, for the first time. Questions were asked in the Doyle and the Senate, uh, basically saying, okay, what's going on here? Mm. Why can't we see this? Why can't we see this? And uh, once they the questions began, you know, it sort of gathered, you know, momentum. And the, the Swedes people, they, you know, they fought tooth and nail. And when there were, you know, initial... Um, plans announced by some political parties and some politicians that the sweeps should be replaced with a national lottery. They, the sweeps people were not happy and they fought and they fought and they held out for another 15 years after the Sunday end up uh, piece. Mm. But by it, they were fighting a losing battle at that stage. I'm thinking of the hospitals. Did they suffer as a result of all of this? <sighs> Did their funding suffer when the sweepstakes were, were folded? Well, no, their funding, well, perhaps to a tiny extent, but at that stage, the, the sweeps had gradually uh, written down the percentage of the profits that were going to the hospitals. So it was just an ever-diminishing return for the hospitals anyway. Um, so I don't think they, they really suffered, no. And we have, obviously, the lotto in its current existence now, the National Lottery. Isn't it interesting that we still have this notion that you buy a ticket, you can win money, but also you're giving money to charity? You would have assumed that the scandal around the sweepstakes would have got rid of that idea completely. Oh, you you would think so, but people, you know, don't change, (laughs) I think. And, And I'm sure there are, you know, there are... Other, you know, dodgy. Look, we're all well aware of, you know, accusations of dodginess being being cast about to lots of charities in this country abroad. You know, uh, charities, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> are always going to be subject to, you know, questions and doubts. And yeah. you know, do you find even in this day and age that people still have an interest in the sweepstakes and what happened? Oh, huge! Uh, when I was. Uh, uh, doing uh, research for my book, mm. um, there was no shortage of people who just wanted to talk. And since, I mean, it came out 12 years ago. And since then, people have come up to me and said, I used to work for this, I used to do this, I used to do this. And I'm just saying, you know, 
if I'd known at the time, I'd say, why didn't you tell me, you know, 12 years ago? Um, but pe- it, the people have a fascination for it, you yeah. know, and it would make a great Hollywood movie. It really would. It, <laughs> it really, really would. Really would. Well, listen, Damien, th- Damien, thank you so much for telling us all about it. And Damien's book is The Greatest Bleeding Hearts Racket in the World as we look at the history of the Irish hospital sweepstake. Damien, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And that is it for today's On The Record with me, Shane Beatty. A huge thank you to the production team and, of course, to you for listening. I'll be back with News Talk's Breakfast Briefing here tomorrow from 6am. But on the way next, it's Off The Ball with Joe Malloy. Have a great Sunday.